Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's go to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. In the word of the Lord, going through the book of Romans. What an amazing, amazing book it is. Hallelujah. Can y'all hear me okay out there? All right, all right. Well, we're still in the process of making adjustments, but we're thankful to God. Amen. And hopefully I won't have to use ear monitors anymore, that we can just use what we have here. And uh, so just just bear with us. we still got to change this out. This is horrible, but we're going to get it all done. It takes a little bit of time to get everything done. Amen? <clears throat> all right, Romans chapter 7 in the word of the Lord. <clears throat> At this point, we have been looking in Romans chapter 5 and chapter 6. Uh, Paul is addressing our surety on that final day of judgment because we are justified in Christ in life. We will be justified if we live for him in that final day of judgment. And so he is presented in the 5th and the 6th chapter and the 7th chapter and the 8th chapter this security that we have because we're justified awaiting that final day. <clears throat> now the sixth chapter shows us that there is a possibility that that security can be derailed. And that security being derailed, how? By sin. In chapter 7, Paul addresses another thing that can derail our faith or our security on that final day, and you'll be surprised, but it has to do with the law. And we'll find out what that means, okay? Now, just to give you a little understanding, the law has a sentence of judgment against us. Amen. Because everybody has come short of the glory of God, then the law of God has the sentence of death written on all of our foreheads. Amen. So we need to understand that if we're going to try to be good on our own, and that means apart from salvation, you know, we're just by our own good works going to try to make it to heaven, then the law will stand in your way on the day of judgment, and, and you will not make it. Okay? So praise the Lord. Now, chapter 7 and chapter 8, especially chapter 7, it is one of the most complicated chapters in the book of Romans to follow. I'm going to tell you, you're going to have to really think about what I'm saying. You're going to have to think about what we're reading. I'm going to go through the verses. Uh, some of this, these words that are used, some of the things that are said, extremely complicated to follow the Apostle Paul in this chapter in relationship to the law, all right? And you're going to have to listen to the way we explain the Word of God so you'll understand what is still with us today and what is not with us today. Now he'll talk about the law. Uh, the law is not dead. The law is not dead to us. So when we get into these verses, you'll see what I mean. It sounds like the law is dead to us. But the law is not dead to the believer. So again, you're going to have to really think. I'm going to trust God to anoint me to be able to preach it to you, to go through the verses, to explain it to you. I'm relying on the Holy Ghost today. But you're going to hear some of the, the most difficult theology in the book of Romans to teach, okay? Uh, Romans chapter 7, beginning with verse 1. Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion, 
over a man as long as he liveth. <clears throat> For the woman which hath a husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loose from the law of her husband. Now did you notice that? Yes, it says the husband is dead, she's loose from the law of her husband. So then if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Wherefore, my brethren, you also are become dead to the law. Now, did you notice that? Yes, it says, you brethren, you have become dead to the law. The Bible does not say that the law is dead. That is extremely important. It says that you have become to the, uh, dead to the law. Now, what does that mean? What law is he talking about? Very important. Wherefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law by the body of Christ that you should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. Amen. For when we were in the flesh, are you here? Amen. The, the, what is that word there? The what? The motion of sins, which were by the law. The motions of sins, which were by the law. That's interesting. The motions of sin by the law. What kind of law? The law of God? I want you to think about what you're reading. For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sin, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. Now, right there, he talks about a law beginning in the first part. He keeps talking about a law, but he's talking about the motions of sin, which were by the law. And it says they work in our members. So what law is that that is causing the motion of sin to work in your members? Is that the law of God? Is the first few verses talking about the law of God? Where it says we're dead to the law? Very interesting. All right, let's keep looking at it. <clears throat> Read verse 6 for me, everybody. Ah, look at that. <clears throat> okay. But now we are delivered from the law. But what law? We are delivered from the law, released from the law. Are you with me? Okay, now I'm going to ask you to pray for me, but I'm going to tell you right now. The problem that we have, and, and I am still learning, okay, I don't say this arrogantly, but I am, I'm still learning. After 30 years of studying the scripture, I'm constantly learning. I can't tell you that I have 100% grasp on this chapter, okay? But I will tell you that there are a lot of preachers that don't spend enough time in the Word of God, and they're novices when they come to the Word of God. And, and they preach like, you know, the law's dead, it's gone away, it's no longer relevant. That is a novice preaching. Alright? 
So read verse 6 again for me. We're delivered from the law. What law? He said we're released from the law, but what law are we released from? That being dead wherein we were held, <clears throat> that we should serve in the newness of the Spirit and not in oldness of the letter. Now, is the oldness of the letter, is that talking about the law of God? Yes. I mean, this is interesting, isn't it? What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Now we know he's talking about the law of God. This is not the law of sin. See, there was a law we read about in verse 5 that has the motions of sin in the flesh which were by the law, right? So there's a law of sin that's working in the flesh. Now you get to verse 7. What shall we say then is the law of sin? So we know that's not the law of sin. This law has to be the law of God. Okay, watch. What shall we say then is the law of sin? God forbid. Now I had not known sin but by the law. This is clearly the law of God. For I had not known lust except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. But sin, taken occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. That means evil desire. The law of God. Now watch. You with me? But sin taken occasion by the commandment wrought in me all manner of concupiscence where, for where, without the law sin was dead. For I was alive without the law once. <clears throat> but when the commandment came sin revived and I died. Isn't that interesting? So he was alive before the law came. When the law came, sin revived, and it killed him. What killed him? And the commandment, which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. What was the purpose of the law? The purpose of the law was to bring life. But he said, I found it to be unto death. And in verse 11, For sin taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it slew me. By the commandment, sin slew. He says, Paul says, slew me. By the commandment. Wherefore, the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid, but sin that it might appear sin working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. For we know that the law is what? Spiritual. Ah, it's spiritual. Well, verse 6 talks about the letter, right? Look at verse 6 again. Read that for me, please. not in the oldness of the letter. Well, now Paul says the law is spiritual. 
So what is the, the, uh, the letter then that he's talking about? The onus of the letter. You understand? Amen. Well, he calls the law spiritual. So the law, when he talks about the letter there uh, in verse 6, what is he talking about? Interesting. For we know that the law is spiritual, <clears throat> but I am carnal, sold under sin. So I want you to see this again. It says that the law is holy, verse 12. The commandment's holy, and it's just, and it's good. Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. But sin, that it might appear sin working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. See that? For that which I do. Now Paul, <clears throat> this is Paul speaking, and some like 38 times I believe it is, if you count them, you'll see this personal pronoun I. Okay, you need to get this. This is important. So he's going to say I, and then at times briefly he'll say me. Now the I is not the me. Now that's why I'm telling you this is complicated. You're going to have to really think. The I that he's talking about here is not the me that he talks about. Okay, watch. This is Paul. <clears throat> For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in, not I, but dwells in me. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? He said, he said, it's not I that does it. He said, it's me that does it. So there's a difference between the I and the me. Okay? Not as far as people are concerned. It's the same person. I'll explain it to you. For I know that in me, that which is in, uh, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing for me to will is, pre for to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. <clears throat> for the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. So he said, it's not I that do it. He said, it's me that does it. And why is the me doing it, but the I not? I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. <clears throat> now, I'm fixing to read to you four spiritual laws. Four spiritual laws. That is, and when you read these and you see these, then that is what you have to use to interpret the passage. Yes, when Paul fluctuates or talks about law here and law there and law here and law there, you have to be able to discern what spiritual law is he talking about. Okay? So he records four of them 
in the latter part of chapter 7 and the first part of chapter 8. Okay, look at it. The first law is, <clears throat> For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. So that's the law of God. That's Torah. Alright? That'd be the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The law that God gave to Israel at Mount Sinai. Amen. That's the law of God. Amen. Now, the Greek word nomos is used. It doesn't matter if it's for the law of God or the other laws that we're going to talk about today. It's still the same Greek word. So you can't even discern which law he's talking about by the Greek. It's the same Greek word, nomos. So the law of God, nomos of God, all right, you with me? Then again, that's the Torah. That's what God gave Israel on Mount Sinai, the law of Moses. That's what he's talking about there. Now, he goes on. But he, then he says, but I see another, say with me, law. He said, I see another law, a principle, a power in my members, in, in my members, what does it say? Warring against the law of my mind. Now what is the law that's in his members? Well, it goes on and tells you what it is. The latter part of the verse, the law in his members is bringing him into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. So now, we find out we have the law of God, we have the law of sin that is in my members, says Paul, and then we see the law of my mind, third law. The law of his mind is his conscience, your conscience, okay? So that's a third law here. You with me here at this point? So verse 22, we have the law of God. Verse 23, we have the law of sin and also the law of conscience. In verse 24, Paul says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Now I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with the mind... I myself serve the law of God. But with the flesh, the law of sin. Chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Here's the next law. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, read it for me, has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and this is the law of God, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirits. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit the things of the spirit. And so I'll get into more detail in chapter 8 as we progressively flow through this. Alright? So you see those four laws, right? We have the law of God. We have the law of sin and death. We have the law of the conscience. And we have the law of the spirit. So when Paul's talking about law, you have to remember he's not always just talking about the law of Moses that was given to Israel on Mount Sinai. Alright? So... Let's pray.
Now, Father God, we come before you right now, and we ask your blessing to be upon the reading of your holy word. We give you all the glory and the honor and the praise, God, we ask. But when the commandment came, sin revived, and I died. Is it that interesting? See, he was alive before the law came. When the law came, sin revived, and it killed him. What killed him? And the commandment which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. What was the purpose of the law? The purpose of the law was to bring life. But he said, I found it to be unto death. And in verse 11, For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it slew me. By the commandment, sin slew. He says, Paul says, slew me by the commandment. Wherefore, the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid, but sin, that it might appear sin working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. For we know that the law is what? Spiritual. Ah, it's spiritual. Well, verse 6 talks about the letter, right? right? Look at verse 6 again. Read that for me, please. not in the oldness of the letter. Well, now Paul says the law is spiritual. So what is the, the, uh, the letter then that he's talking about? The oldness of the letter. You understand? Well, he calls the law spiritual. So the law, when he talks about the letter there uh, in verse 6, what is he talking about? Interesting. For we know that the law is spiritual, <clears throat> but I am carnal, sold under sin. So I want you to see this again. It says that the law is holy, verse 12. The commandment's holy, and it's just, and it's good. Was then that which <clears throat> is good made death unto me? God forbid. But sin, that it might appear sin working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. See that? For that which I do. Now Paul, <clears throat> this is Paul speaking, and some like 38 times I believe it is, if you count them, you'll see this personal pronoun I. Okay, you need to get this. This is important. So he's going to say I, and then at times, briefly, he'll say me. Now the I is not the me. Now that's why I'm telling you this is complicated. You're going to have to really think. The I that he's talking about here is not the me that he talks about. Okay, watch. This is Paul. <clears throat> For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. 
For what I would, that do I not, but what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in not I, but dwells in me. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Yes, sir. He said, <clears throat> he said, it's not I that does it. He said, it's me that does it. So there's a difference between the I and the me. Okay? Not as far as people are concerned. It's the same person. I'll explain it to you. For I know that in me... That which is in, uh, that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing for me to will is, pre for to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. <clears throat> for the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. So he said, it's not I that do it. He said, it's me that does it. And why is the me doing it, but the I not? I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. <clears throat> now, I'm fixing to read to you four spiritual laws. Four spiritual laws. That is, and when you read these and you see these, then that is what you have to use to interpret the passage. Yes, when Paul fluctuates or talks about law here and law there and law here and law there, you have to be able to discern what spiritual law is he talking about. Okay? So he records four of them in the latter part of chapter 7 and the first part of chapter 8. Okay? Look at it. The first law is, <clears throat> for I delight in the law of God after the inward man. So that's the law of God. That's Torah. Alright? That'd be the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The law that God gave to Israel at Mount Sinai. Amen. That's the law of God. Amen. Now, the Greek word nomos is used. It doesn't matter if it's for the law of God or the other laws that we're going to talk about today. It's still the same Greek word. So you can't even discern which law he's talking about by the Greek. It's the same Greek word, nomos. So the law of God, nomos of God. All right, you with me? Then again, that's the Torah. That's what God gave Israel on Mount Sinai, the law of Moses. That's what he's talking about there. Now, he goes on. But he, then he says, but I see another, say with me, law. He said, I see another law, a principle, a power in my members, in, in my members, what does it say? Warring against the law of my mind. Now what is the law that's in his members? Well, it goes on and tells you what it is. The latter part of the verse, the law in his members is bringing him into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. So now, we find out we have the law of God, we have the law of sin that is in my members, says Paul, and then we see the law of my mind, third law. 
The law of his mind is his conscience. Your conscience. Okay? So that's a third law here. You with me here at this point? So verse 22, we have the law of God. Verse 23, we have the law of sin and also the law of conscience. In verse 24, Paul says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God. But with the flesh, the law of sin. Chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Here's the next law. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, read it for me, has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and this is the law of God, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirits. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit the things of the spirit. And so I'll get into more detail in chapter 8 as we progressively flow through this, all right? So you see those four laws, right? We have the law of God. We have the law of sin and death. We have the law of the conscience. And we have the law of the Spirit. So when Paul's talking about law, you have to remember he's not always just talking about the law of Moses that was given to Israel on Mount Sinai. All right? So let's pray. Father God, we come before you right now and we ask your blessing to be upon the reading of your holy word. We give you all the glory and the honor and the praise, God, we ask you today to help us to understand, give us illumination and revelation, we pray in Jesus' name, to the glory of God the Father. Hallelujah. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Okay, chapter 6. Verse 1, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Now there it says we're dead to sin. Now Paul calls sin a law. It's a power, it's a principle. Uh, In in, uh, Romans chapter 6, this is the idea way for the believer to live. Okay? We have been, been delivered from the power of sin and the penalty of sin. We're dead to what? We're dead to sin. Do you get that? So if I take chapter 7 and I find out that there is a, a law of sin, then Romans 6 tells me that I'm dead to the law of what? Sin. I'm dead to the law of sin. And in Romans chapter 7, Paul talks about we're dead to the law. So which is he, what's he talking about? 
Are we dead to the law of sin? Or are we dead to the law of God? You see? Okay, now just hang on. I'm telling you, man, this is very, it's extremely complicated, but God's going to help us understand it, all right? That doesn't mean, even though it's complicated, doesn't mean it can't be understood. It can be understood. You with me here? <clears throat> now, in Romans chapter 5, which we have already taught you, Paul showed us why mankind is under the dominion of sin. That means unconverted man. The unconverted man, the, the person that is not a believer, is under the penalty of sin and the power of sin. So because of that, there's absolutely nothing that you could do by your own effort to free yourself from the penalty of sin and the power of sin as an unbeliever. Okay? As an unbeliever, you would not even have a desire to obey the law of God. No desire. And Paul explains in Romans chapter 5 how man came under that principle or power of sin, and that was through the fall of the first Adam in the Garden of Eden. And because Adam represents the whole human race when he sinned against God, then he plunged the whole human race into sin. That means that when he sinned, something happened to his human nature. When he sinned against God, that sin nature entered into his human nature. And everybody that is born from that day forward after the fall was born with a sin nature in their humanity. And Romans chapter 5 tells us that that sin nature that you and I were born with in our humanity because of Adam's fall caused death to come upon the whole human race. And so in chapter 5, Paul talks about our security, our confidence to stand before God in eternity because we are justified by faith. Once again in Romans chapter 5, And because of that, we have been delivered from the power of sin, its control, and the penalty of sin. And so when we get to chapter 6, Paul says, How shall we say then, or what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Are you with me? How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know you not that so many as us, as us were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him in bab- by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in newness of life. Amen. So in Romans chapter 6, Paul is saying that that power and principle of sin that came upon all men through Adam, Romans chapter 5, that when you get water baptized in Jesus' name and you get filled with the Holy Ghost, at that point, the power of sin and the penalty of sin is defeated in your life. When you get the Holy Ghost and you get baptized in Jesus' name, you no longer have to struggle with, with the sin in your life. Because 
What happens is when you're baptized in water, there's a circumcision that takes place in your heart. God does a spiritual surgical procedure on the inside of you. Although you still have that sin nature in you, He cuts its power cord. Now that doesn't mean that it's without power. But as far as the believer is concerned, sin no longer has dominion over the believer. It no longer has power over the believer. And the penalty of sin no longer there in the believer's life because he's a born-again believer and he's got a new nature that has come inside of him where he can live victorious over that old sin nature that used to dominate and control his life. That's why when you got born again, there was a change. Before you got born again, you might have said in your mind, I'm going to stop this. I'm going to stop doing this. I'm going to stop doing that. I'm going to stop doing that. I'm going to go to church and I'm going to be a Christian. And you didn't stop doing that. 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 And you might have went to church. But you're still the same person. Because until you get born again, born from above, and have that old nature defeated in your life by baptism, amen, into Christ's death, and get filled with the Holy Ghost, you do not have the power to overcome that sin nature that is in you. That sin nature is so powerful in you, and so strong in you, that the law of God, even though you, you might read the law of God, it doesn't have power. The law of God doesn't have power to overcome that sin nature in you. The law of your mind, your conscience, even though you know right and wrong, your conscience says you shouldn't do that. Your conscience doesn't have power over that old sin nature. Amen? There's only one thing that will give you power over that old sin nature. And that is the law of the Spirit. When you get born again... You get, a, you get a power in you, which is Jesus Christ. It is God. And it's, it's the only thing that is more powerful than your sin nature. And we'll talk about that today. So according to Romans chapter 6, then, what we're dead to, we're dead to the law of sin. We're dead to the law of sin. All right? So let's go to Romans chapter 7, then, and let's break it down. Good news today is, as a believer, you don't have to live in constant defeat. If you're a born-again believer today and you live in constant defeat, it's your fault. Because God has showed us how we can be free. We can live victorious over sin and death. Hallelujah. So, okay, so let's get into it. Let's look at it. Chapter 7, verse 1. Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. Now, what law are we talking about? Well, if I look at verse 7, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law, for I had not known lust, except the law has said, Thou shalt not covet. So, here, verse 1, the law is... The law of God. But it also could be the law of sin. 
a little complicated. All right? So I'm going to approach it first of all from the idea that we're talking about the law of God. And, and so if we look at it here, verse 1, Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over man as long as he liveth. And I, I, I believe that he's talking about the law of God. Because he's talking about something that you know. To know the law of God. I mean, can you know the law of sin? Interesting question. But the law of God is something that you can know. You can read it. You can know it. Okay? So I, I believe we're talking about the law of God, but I believe that I can also apply this to the law of sin as well, biblically. So know you not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. Right? Okay. So the law of God has dominion over us as long as we're alive. Now, <clears throat> the law of God is a good thing. The law of God is holy. The law of God is spiritual. I, I'm not wanting to be free from that. But Paul talks about the law of God here in a negative way. Why, why would he consider the law of God uh, in a negative way if it's good and it's holy and it's spiritual? Because he's talking about the condemnation of the law. He's talking about the oldness of the letter. <clears throat> the law has dominion over me it listen, it pronounces the sentence of death upon me because of the law of sin that's in me. Because I have a sin nature in me, the law of God pronounces judgment on me, condemnation on me and you. Okay? The sentence of death, the law, places upon us because of our fallen nature. That sentence of death then has dominion over us. Are y'all with me here? Yes, sir. Now watch. For a woman, for the woman which hath a husband is bound by the law to her husband, right? right. So he said, our first husband, to make it simple for you, our first husband is the law of God. That's our first husband. And so when the law of God comes to us as our first husband, how does that law come to us? Dominion. It, it comes as a demanding husband. It comes as a Lord. It comes with all of its commandments which are holy and good and righteous and true and spiritual. It comes from God. But when it comes to us, in the, in the picture here is we're all pictured as the wife. It comes and it lays all of His commandments on us. And it says do this and do that and do this and do that and do this and don't do that, don't do that, do this, don't do that. So it comes as a demanding husband that don't help the wife. 
That's the way the law comes. Now, y'all, you wives have good husbands, so you don't have demanding husbands that don't help you. But maybe some of you know about some husbands that are like that. All they do is just give orders constantly, tell you what to do and tell you not what to do and never lifts a hand to help you. That's the law. So the law came with its commands and its demands and it said on the couch, no power to help you. To do what it commanded you to do. And so you are a frustrated wife. And you're at night just praying, God, kill this man. I just want to be released from him. Because all he does is demand and never helps me. God, kill him and give me another husband that will help me do it. Because the first husband I have, all he is is a Lord over me. And all he does is command and demand and doesn't help me do it. So Paul says your first husband is the law of God. And, and you, you sit around or you sleep and you say right before you go to sleep, God, kill the law. Kill my first husband because all it does is just command me and demand me and I, I can't do it. I, I've tried to do it, but I can't meet the expectations. I can't live up to what my husband is demanding of me I know I should I know it's good I know what he's telling me is right but I can't do it I know the claims that he's, he's laying upon me to do that I should do them and I know what my husband's saying is the right thing but I just can't do it and I try and I try and he keeps demanding and commanding and I just, I just, I know what he's telling me is the truth and I know I should be doing it but I'm just not able to do it. I just wish he would die. And that's the law. The problem is, is that the law of God can't die. So if you and I are going to be freed from a demanding, commanding husband that cannot help me accomplish those commands, then what Paul is saying is this. You need deliverance. You need to be married to somebody else. You need to be married to somebody else. The commands are there. The demands are there. But you're going to be married to somebody else Jesus Christ. But you can't get married to Him without the first husband dying. But the first husband can't die. So that means she's going to have to die. But if she dies, how is she going to be married to somebody else? 
So Paul says, here's the answer. Says that Jesus Christ died in her place. He died for that wife. And when he died for that wife, he released her from the first husband. His commands and his demands with no help. And so now you and I get to be married to Jesus Christ. And when you get married to Jesus Christ, He gives you the power and the help you need to keep the house. To do it. To keep, to obey His commands. To, to serve Him. To live for Him. But He's not just barking orders at you. He's giving you the strength and the power and He's helping you to overcome your addictions, to overcome your sin, to overcome the shortcomings in your life. He's the only one. It's called the law of the Spirit. Amen? But notice what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say the law died because the law can't die. It says you died to the law. That means you died to its sentence of judgment upon you. You died to the condemnation of the law. Jesus died on that cross for you and he removed the condemnation of the law off of you. That's what was removed. The law's not dead. You as a dead man died to the law. The law didn't die. It's still, it's still here today. We're, we're not free to disobey what the law tells us is right. We're never free to disobey the commandments of God. The law is still alive. But I'm dead to the condemnation of the law. I'm dead to the condemnation of the law that was passed upon the law of sin and death that was in my members. That's what I'm free from. I'm free from the condemnation of the law. I am free from the law of sin and death, the, the power of sin that was in my members. I'm free from that husband of sin and death. I'm free from the condemnation of the law. I'm free in the sense that the law commands me but doesn't help me right. to be married to somebody that not only tells me what I should do, but gives me the strength to do it and helps me accomplish it. Say praise the Lord, church. Praise the Lord. So when I, when I interpret this, when I look at this in a lot of the, the Scripture, yes, sir. Paul says, how can that which is good be dead to me? Are y'all with me here? Look at verse 13. Was in that which is good made dead death unto me? No. He said the law wasn't made dead to you. Then it has to be something else. It has to be that law coming and demanding and commanding and not helping you. A demanding husband that won't help you. It has to be that and that's still in place. That's still in place. So it has to be the consequences for not being able to keep those commands. Because the law is good. And Paul says, was that made death to me? 
No. You understand what he's saying? So what we have here is a beautiful picture of marriage. It says, if your husband's dead, you're free to marry somebody else. But because the law, which is your first husband, can't die, that means you have to die. And the Bible says Jesus took your place and died for you to free free you from that first husband's condemnation. That first husband's condemnation which came as a result of the law of sin that was in your life. So I, I interpret this both ways. As the law of God, we're not free from the law of God. Any preacher that stands up and tells you we're no longer under the law of God, we're free from the law of God, they are lying to you. The law is good. The law is holy. The law is spiritual. It's still doing what it was supposed to do. But it can never produce salvation for you. It can never save you. It can lay commands and demands. And you would try and try real hard. But you'd always come up short. And you as a frustrated wife say, Oh, I wish that law would die. But the law can't. What do you say? But the law is telling me what I should do and I know it's right. I just can't do it. And so Jesus says, okay, I'll die in your place. I'll set you free from the condemnation of the law. I'll set you free in the sense that I'll help you accomplish Amen. and live a righteous and holy life. Amen. Isn't that a beautiful picture here? Amen. Okay, so praise the Lord, everybody. Common sense. Right? The law of God personified as a husband. That husband comes to you every day and commands and commands and commands and commands. And you're saying, what you're telling me is the truth. What you're telling me is right. And I'm going to try to do what you're telling me. And you just never get it done. So you go, to, you go to sleep at night, go to bed at night, and you're miserable every day. Because you just can't do what you know. You know what He's telling you is the truth, but you just can't do it. God says you need to be free from that demanding husband that won't help you. Alright? Okay, y'all get the picture here. See, you've got to be careful to understand that the law's not dead. We're dead to its demands of trying to do it on our own. We're dead to the condemnation of the law. The sentence of death that it brings because we have a sin nature. We are free from that and we're free from the law of sin and death because of Jesus Christ taking our place on the cross. Isn't that a beautiful thing? So we keep reading. Verse 4, Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law. Law's not dead. It's not, not dead to us. We're dead to the law. Again. But it can't be talking about the Word of God. It can't be the commandments of God. Can't be. In the latter part of the book of Romans, nine of the ten commandments are required for the believer. It has to do with the sentence of death. It has to do with the sin of uh, uh, the law of sin and death right. and the sentence that the law brings, condemnation. Right. It has to be the demands of the law that you can't meet. And so Jesus says, I'm going to free you 
to be married to me and I'm going to save you. I'm going to do for you what you can't do for yourself. And that law is good and that law is holy and that law is righteous that law is spiritual but I'm going to die for you and I'm going to marry you and I'm going to save you and I'm going to do for you what you could not do for yourself. I'm not just going to be the demanding husband. I'm going to be the husband that helps you. Hallelujah. I'm going to provide salvation. I'm going to die in your place. But the law, the law is still alive. It's alive to the believer. Because the law is good. And the purpose of the law was to bring life. And it's holy and it's righteous. But for an unbeliever, all it is is a demanding husband that you can't live up to as an unbeliever. That's impossible. You can't do it. But for the believer, you embrace the law. As Romans chapter 3, the last verse or two says, you establish the law as a believer. You don't walk around and say, well, I'm free to do whatever I want to do. And God's Word forbids you to do certain things in His law. And you say, well, I'm no longer under law, so I can do what God forbid me to do in the Old Testament. You're going to go to hell. Because the Bible says, many will stand before Him on Judgment Day and say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in Your name? Cast out demons in Your name and done many wonderful works in Your name? And then He will send them, Depart from me, ye that are lawless. I know you not. Amen? Amen? So what I'm free from is as a, and I'm speaking, if, if I was an unbeliever, what I'm free from as an unbeliever is when Jesus Christ comes in the world and dies, He frees me from trying to accomplish my own salvation. That the law requires obedience to God's law. And I can't do it. Amen. So Jesus says, okay, we've got to have, come up with another plan. We've got to come up with another husband. And that's me. And I'll die for you. And I'll fulfill the righteous demands of the law for you in your behalf. And I'll die for the penalty of the broken law. And I'll take your place. And I'll marry you. And I'll do for you what you could not do for yourself. Amen. Amen. And then once you become a born-again believer, because you're married to Christ, He will give you the ability to obey His Word. Amen. Say praise the Lord, church. I'm free from the law of sin and death. I'm free from the condemnation of the law. I'm free for trying to save myself by trying to keep it. What a beautiful picture this is. For my brother, you also become dead to the law. The law's not dead to you. You're dead to the law it's in the sense of its condemnation. By the body of Christ, that you should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. For when we were in the flesh. Oh, wow. So now he talks about before your conversion. He talks about when you were in the flesh. The word flesh, Greek word sarx. Very important word to understand. That word sarx is translated around 15 different ways in your English Bible. When he talks about being in the flesh, he's not talking about your skin. 
he's talking about that old sin nature called the law of sin that had dominion and power over us. For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sin which were in were by the law did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. That's why I say that this law that we have died to can also be the law of sin and death. Not just the righteous demands of the law of God, a demanding husband to produce something we can't produce for ourselves, but based on that verse, this could also be a reference to the law of sin and death. A different law altogether. I think they're both true. Okay? Amen. Say praise the Lord. For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sin which were by the law did work in our members. Did the law produce sin in us? No! That's not what it's saying. It, the law of God, the Torah, the commandments of God didn't cause sin to move in us. That wasn't the, the, the law that caused sin to operate in our life. It was another law. It's called the law of sin. That old sin nature that's in us. So it says, For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sin which were by the law did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. Do you see that? Read verse 6 again. Ah, but now we are delivered from the law. What law? If I take the overall context, it could be both the law of God is condemnation, the sentence of judgment upon us, but then the verse before that's talking about another law altogether. And that's the law of sin that works in your members. And so when he tells us, read verse 6 again, we're delivered from the law, we're released from the law. Which one? The law of sin that works in your members or the law of God? But I explained it both ways. Okay, say praise the Lord. All right. Hallelujah, hallelujah. So you have to pray. You have to pray, God anoint my brain. Because there's more than one law at work. So when you, in verse 5, this is your pre-conversion time when you had that old sin nature in you and it dominated you and controlled you and the eye that was in you agreed with the sin and the eye that was in you produced sin. And not only did it produce sin, and when I say the eye, I'm talking about that old sin nature in you producing sin. The eye in you produced it and the eye in you agreed with it, that old sin nature. And you went along with it. And you had no desire to live for God. You had no desire to obey His Word. This is pre-conversion here. Sometimes you say, well, I got a problem. How many of you ever said, I got a problem? You say, man, there's something wrong with me. There is. And Paul's telling you what's wrong with you. And what's wrong with me is we're carnal, sold under sin. We have a sin nature inside of us. And we need to be married to Jesus Christ. Amen. We need somebody to come and save us. We need a husband to rescue us. We need somebody to deliver us. Because we are a mess. We are a mess. Without Jesus Christ. And you go to the psychologist, you lay on this couch, tell me what's wrong with me, doc. 
And he goes, well, he said, well, let's talk about your past. <laughs> what have you been through? What disappointments have you had? Tell me about your mom. Tell me about your dad. And then they put all that together. She said, that's what's wrong with you. You're a mess because, you know, this happened to you when you were a little boy. Paul said, I'm going to get right down to the root of the matter. He said, we all, there's something wrong with every one of us. And the moment you start walking through life like this, ain't nothing wrong with me. You walk around pointing the finger at everybody else and everybody else's kids and tells yours does wrong. Right, right, right. Ain't nothing wrong with me. I go to church every day. Well, at least once a year. Well, I showed you already, according to Romans chapter 2, you can be so religious, you can go to church, carry a Bible under your arm, but you're still in the wrath of God until you become a born again So you're only deceiving yourself when you go to church. What Paul is saying is this, brothers and sisters, you cannot reform that new old man. You can't reform him. All the rules can come to you and say, okay, line up to this. That old man, you need to reform. Say, yeah, I know that's right, but you can't do it. You can't reform the old man. You can't reform him. Well, I'm going I'm to have a New Year's resolution. I'm going to change. You can't reform that old man. You can go to a psychologist all you want to. They give you drugs all, you know, to try to counteract the drugs. Then they got to get another drug to counteract the drug they gave you to counteract the drug they gave you. Yeah. You go all your life looking, what is, the, what is wrong with me, man? You're blaming mama, you're blaming daddy, you're blaming something happened in your life for why you are like you are. Even some of you today sitting in this church, all you can think about how people treated you and mistreated you and how your dad was, how your mom was, and all that stuff, and you live constant. You need to eject the tape. You need to, you need to eject the videotape. Take it out, throw it away. Stop replaying that old videotape. I feel sorry for yourself. Where you brought up, what happened to you? You need a savior. You need Jesus Christ in your life. I'm trying, trying. It's not going to get you there. You need somebody to come and help you. Somebody to deliver you. Somebody to save you. Somebody to come and live inside of you. Somebody to transform you, not reform you. Every one of them, every one of us, including your pastor. The people want to text you and talk about how bad I am. They don't need to text you. I know how bad I am. Are you stupid? You want some more? I'll text you back. I'll tell you what else. I could. That's all you can find on me. I'll give you some more. Amen. 
Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. At least as, as a shepherd, I'm coming to you through the door. Of the Word of God. God says this thief and robbers will come through another way. They're going to undermine. They're going to try to climb underneath or climb over. They're never going to go through the door. But I'm going to, I as your shepherd, are going to go through the door. And I'm going to go in and I'm going to lead you out to pasture of the Word of God. And anybody that tries to climb over or tries to climb under is a thief and a robber. I don't care who they are. They are thieves and robbers. And they're trying to rob you as sheep. You can always identify him. You say, well, my pastor, I, mean, I know he's not perfect, and he's not. But at least he comes to me through the door. He brings me the Bible. He don't try to climb over and sneak under. He's not a thief and a robber. Amen. Amen. Did y'all know something's wrong with me? Anybody know? Something wrong with me? Something wrong? Something wrong with everybody? You know, people are so caught up right now about the race. You know, race, and I know, I know, I get all of that. But I'm going to tell you something. It's not about the color of my skin or yours. You got something on the inside of you that's your problem. It's called the sin nature. It's called until, until you become a born again believer, until you become a born again believer, you got the sentence of death resting upon you, and God's law is standing there. Judge, jury, prosecuting attorney, executioner. Amen. The law of God is an x ray machine, but it has no cure. That's what Paul's talking about. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Hallelujah to the Lamb. I found out what was wrong with me. There was motion of sin working in my members. Oh, a power that was working, controlling, dominating my life, lording over my life, killing me, had the sentence of death upon me. It was killing me every day. And the law of God said, let me show you where the sin is, where the problem is. The x-ray machine came on. But then Dr. Jesus walked in and said, I will cure what the x-ray machine found out was wrong with you. Dr. Jesus is in the house. My husband Jesus is in the house. Come to help me do for me what I can't do for myself. I got the sentence of death hanging over me and I have to agree with what that law says. It's right. I deserve to die. I deserve to go to hell. I deserve to be there today. I agree with it. But Jesus said, I came to save you and deliver you and free you from your problem. Free you from the power of sin that dominates and controls your life so that you don't have to live defeated every day. You can be victorious. Victorious! 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 Dr. Jesus is in the house. My husband, my, you know, we used to know a long time ago, a sister in the Lord, Pentecostal sister in the Lord, she had a deep voice. She had a deeper voice than mine. She'd made a good preacher. 
She had a real deep voice. And she'd always talk about her. She says, my husband. <laughs> we went to the wedding when they got married. I said, God have mercy on that man. <laughs> In his case, it won't be the demanding husband. It's going to be the demanding wife. My husband. <laughs> Aren't you glad Jesus is not like that? Hallelujah. Dr. Jesus. We need Dr. Jesus. He will set you free. He'll liberate you. He'll deliver you. He'll heal you. He'll save you. He'll change you from the inside out. Won't just show you how you're wrong. We need to know. But then he comes with the medicine. It's called the gospel. That's what the book of Romans is all about. It's the gospel. It's the good news of salvation. And Jesus, how God provided salvation to fallen mankind who was in the wrath of God, could not free themselves from the condemnation of the law or sin and death. And you, some of you wives are praying, man, God, my, my husband's got problems. <laughs> and he's praying the same thing. God, my wife's got a problem. I'm going to find me another one. <laughs> and you're going to find you another one she's just as bad. <laughs> she's going to do the same thing to you that the other one did. And you might find out you had the problem, not her. You thought it was her all along. But it was you. Say praise the Lord. No, look at your name and just be honest. I got a problem, man. And it's bigger than I realized. It's so powerful. It's more powerful than the law of God. It's more powerful than my own conscience. Woo, Hallelujah. Somebody said amen. 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 Soon you come into realization of that, the better off you are. That'll put you, that'll drive you. The sin of the, the law of God, the true law of God, and the law of sin and death will drive you to your knees. It'll drive you to your husband. It'll drive you to your healer. Hallelujah. Body, soul, and spirit. Not just physically, but your mind needs to be healed. Your spirit needs to be healed. We're all failures in life as unbelievers. You know who the biggest failure in life is? Is the unbeliever. We're all failures without Jesus. Hallelujah. How many of y'all remember when you got born again? What a change. I mean, you're still Tim Contreras. And you're still Jonathan Lemons. Yeah, right? But something happened on the inside of you. Now you can walk victorious. So as you yield to me. Praise God. There's some people, they don't want deliverance. They don't want deliverance. They say they do. See, I'm not going to dance with him. 
I wish Sister Christina was here. I'd dance with her. No, I can't dance with her because she's not the devil. But see, there's some people dancing with the devil, man. They're doing a the two-step with the devil. Say, I want to be free from the devil, but they're holding him tight. Free me from the devil. Oh. You got to want Jesus. Right? God will give you victory. He'll give you victory over sin, over yourself. He'll give you victory over the devil. He'll come and help you in the sense He's going to save you. And once He saves you, now something's going to happen on the inside of you and you're going to want to obey the law of God. You're going to want to obey the Word of God. You're going to say, the Word of God is good. It's holy. It's righteous. It's spiritual. I want to obey it. Now I can. Yeah, people say, just say no. Just say no. I'm okay. See how far that gets you. That's right, Pastor. That's right. Amen. Willpower. I got willpower. I got willpower. Willpower is all I need. We'll see. They put a box of chocolate in front of you. I'm just going to take one. Two. It's crazy, ain't it? Victoria and my, and my wife brought me some chocolate, dark chocolate covered almonds and cashews last night. And I said, okay, yeah, that's good, man. Thank you. I said, thank you. I, and I ate one and then I started just pouring them out of the sack. <laughs> just, man, before I knew it, anyway, willpower, man. I got willpower, man. Show you how much willpower I got. <laughs> they'll go out to eat you know Texas burger I'm really trying really hard to live healthy and eat right and, you know only eat salmon and salads and you know soup and stuff like that and, you know what I mean and they'll, and they'll go and I say they, they, oh, we'll go to Texas burger you want something daddy no I don't want anything <laughs> I can't, you know. I'm watching it, you know. Can't. They walk through the door with a big old sack full of you know, double, double burger, Texas burger, and fries, man. And I say, okay. It'll be all right. This is my cheat day. This is my cheat day. My goodness, I have a cheat day every day. It's my cheat day. Willpower. I had I had willpower. <laughs> you don't have no will. We don't have enough willpower to say no, man. You say no, that's not gonna work. Come on, man. <sighs> yeah, you're talking about food now, I see. Not gonna buy food over here. <laughs> so, verse six again. Read it for me. 
newness of spirit. See, he's always picking up where he's going to go down the road. Talk about the newness of the spirit. We're to serve in the newness of the spirit, not in the oldness of the letter. Now, again, again, what, what is he talking about? The oldness of the letter. That is the oldness of the letter. Is not the law. It's the condemnation of the law. The oldness of the letter. Are you with me here today? Hallelujah. God is good. Why? How do I know that? Because the Bible says that the law is spiritual. Here he says we don't serve in the oldness of the letter. Letter. Get the word. Letter. Oldness of the letter. If that's the law, the oldness, well, he doesn't call it a letter in down further. He calls it spiritual. So that we, we would serve in the newness of the Spirit. The law is spiritual. Then the oldness of the letter has to do with its condemnation. It's the sentence of judgment the law brings. Hallelujah. Give the Lord praise in the house. Someday, when I get to heaven, I want to walk up to Apostle Paul. I say, will you explain this to me? <laughs> but I think God's helping us. He's helping us today. He's trying to stay in the Bible. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? He said, God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin but by the law. For I had not known lust except the law said, Thou shalt not covet. The law is not sin. The law is good. It, it, it is the x-ray machine. It, it diagnoses the sin. It diagnoses what sin is. It tells you what sin is. You wouldn't even know what sin was if God didn't diagnose it. If the x-ray machine wasn't turned on, you see these cancers all over here and here and here and up here. Right? No. In Jesus' name, be healed. Right? Okay. I'm not prophesying these guys. I'm just telling you, man. So the law is the x-ray machine. It defines for you the problem. It defines for you sin. Hallelujah. Thank God for that. I thank God that God defines for me sin. You liken it to cancer. Wouldn't you be thankful for something that diagnosed the cancer? You wouldn't curse the thing that diagnosed the cancer. You would be upset with the cancer, but not with the diagnosis. You'd be thankful. Because now they can say, here's the medicine. Say praise the Lord. You see it? Why do I don't want to be delivered from something that that helps me and tells me what my problem is and shows me where my problem is so I can live a different life, be changed by the Spirit of God. But sin taken occasion by the commandment wrought in me all manner of concupiscence for without law sin was dead. For I was alive without the law once but when the commandment came sin revived and I died. 
See, the problem again is he's showing you is not with the law. He said, he said, but I want to show you how bad we are. When I say we, I'm going to say it this way. How bad that sin nature on the inside of us is. He said, I'm going to show you how bad it is. It's so bad that when the law of God came to us and diagnosed our problem, that sin nature inside of us, when God says, don't do that, that sin nature inside of us is so rebellious. It stirred. The law of God didn't produce sin, but the law of God and His commands we responded wrongly to it and it stirred desire up in us. Like you tell little Johnny, you don't eat the cookie. I got a cookie jar over here, little Johnny, and I'll put it over here in the pantry and little Johnny, you don't eat that. And little Johnny all day long, he's thinking about that cookie. (laughs) Forbidden fruit. Yeah, yeah, amen. Forbidden cookies all day long, man. Yeah. Yeah. And that rebellious nature on the inside of him. Because he was told no. Right. 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 Tell me no. That's right. Right. Amen. I told Victoria no about something the other day. She says, Daddy, I'm Victoria. Victoria don't like no. (laughs) I said, I said, no. Anyway. So if somebody says no to you, God's word says no to you, says that's wrong, don't do that, can't do that. You're so rebellious, that sin nature is so rebellious, you'll try to find a way to do it. It's called forbidden fruit. A little Johnny, he goes, he yeah. mama's in the back room, he gets the, the chair. Climbs up on a chair, man. He's looking over his... Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yes, sir. <laughs> cookie in his pocket. His mama's, well, what you doing, Johnny? Nothing. <laughs> Mama knows. Mama knows what Johnny's doing. It's called forbidden fruit. See, that law, and it comes, and you know, you agree with it. Yeah, that's right. I shouldn't do that. And that law comes, but because, it, see, for, forbidden fruit is supposed to taste better. That's what our flesh tells us. That's what that rebellious nature tells us. Oh, yeah, if I could just get that. Hallelujah. Well, because you can't have it, you want it more. Say praise the Lord. That's how sinful we are. That's how rebellious we are. Somebody says, no, you can't have it. You're going to... You'll do everything you got to to get what you want. You know what I'm talking about. And then you get it, you don't even want it. Don't even want it. That's true. Call forbidden fruit syndrome. That's my term for it. I don't know if they call it that. That's what I call it. <laughs> <laughs> forbidden fruit syndrome. You know. 
Right. So I tell Brother Hebron, you can't have that, brother. He's going to find every way he possibly can. Amen. You here with me? That's how. And the law, again, the problem is not with the law. The problem is with us. Y'all pray for me. I got another daughter in here just like Victoria. She won't take no for answer. Her name's Melvis. <laughs> I tell her no, man. She, she ain't having no. But I don't want no daddy. <laughs> Can we meet daddy? If we don't meet, it's on the phone. That's before, before it's all over, she wins. I throw in the towel. Whatever, man. Right? It's the truth. I'm telling you the truth. All right, Prophetess Melvis. You're right, right? Look at her. She know, she know, man. She know. That, that's, I'm not saying she's rebellious, but I'm just saying that's what's in us. That forbidden fruit, man. You know? Well, by an apple tree down the alley, apple tree. You know, it belongs to somebody else. What do you do? You don't, want, you don't even like apples. You're going to get them and throw them, throw them down the road. Throw them at houses. You don't even like apples. But because it's not yours, you're going to reach up there and grab the apple off the tree. And probably won't even eat it. Just, why? Because it wasn't mine. And the fence was saying, you can't have it. So I took it. Say amen. You get married, now you got her. When you couldn't have her, you wanted her because you couldn't have her. Now you got her. And that one that walks beside by you, you can't have her, so you start looking at her. And if I could just have her, I could just get married to her, man, I know I'll be satisfied for the rest of my life. Yeah, you talk to David. King, I'm talking about King David. One was never enough for him. That, I'm just telling you by the word of God, that's how sinful and how rebellious that fallen nature is in us. Brothers and sisters, it's the nature of the devil himself. In fact, it can be so wicked and so evil when it's yielded to, it's worse than the devil. You believe it's worse than the devil. The devil's looking for a body to do his work through. I had a mentor, Brother Dice. He said, come over here. We're going to cast a person out of that devil. So we don't need to cast the devil out of a person. We need to cast a person out of that devil. Poor devil. Poor devil. Some of y'all are so wicked, so evil, so bad, the devil don't want nothing to do with you. (laughs) He 
they say, come here, devil, devil. They say, no, no, I would have been with Pray for me. I'm trying to pastor you. <laughs> That's what he's talking about. He said it stirred up all manner of concupiscence. All manner of evil desires, man. Isn't that crazy? The law of God is supposed to help us to stop doing those things. and You know what I'm saying? And we agree with them and everything. But instead, just the opposite. When it comes to show us what's wrong, we go after what's wrong. That's how wicked we are. Without Jesus Christ. Apart from Jesus Christ, you see how wicked you are and how wicked I am. God's word tells you, man. Say praise the Lord. Somebody said, Amen. I need this. Somebody say, I need this. I need this. I know you do. That's why I'm preaching it to you. I know you do. Wouldn't it be nice if you just go get a shot from the doctor? <laughs> doctor, you give me a shot right here, right here. It'll make me good. And I'll stop doing bad and stop wanting bad stuff. And I'll start doing what I'm supposed to. Wouldn't it be nice if you get a shot like that? Yeah. Guess what? Dr. Jesus is in the house. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Man, I remember when I first... 18 years of age, I wanted to live for God so bad. I said, I'm going to stop partying. I'm going to stop going there. And I'm going to start doing, stop doing this. And all that 18 years old man, I made up my mind. I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm going to be a Christian. And I lasted about a day. <laughs> Went right back to doing the same thing. Amen, amen, And somebody sat down with me. Yeah, you, you've gone to church all your life. That's what he told me. You know, I've gone to church all my life. I took catechism. Lutheran, converted and everything, christened and everything. But he said, let me show you what you need. You need to be born again of the water and the Spirit. You need to be baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. And I did that. When he showed it to me in the Bible, I said, I was raised in church and didn't even know that. When I did that, guess what happened? God gave me power. To stop doing the things that I used to do. Hallelujah. I started wanting to live for God. Started wanting to obey God. It came from the inside. Not from the outside. But from the inside. Because then God took his law. And put it on the tables of my heart. It was no longer just an external thing. It became an internal thing. The law of God is not done away with. It's put on the inside of you. I delight after the law of God in the inward parts. Hallelujah. Something's changed. Something's changed. Now I can say no. And I can say yes. And God gives me the strength I need. Hallelujah. Say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So when I play with sin, sin will get you every time. It'll get you every time. I play with it a little bit. I think I'm strong enough to handle it. It'll get you every time. Every time. It'll get us every time. Every time. 
when you come to church and you sit there like a deer in the headlights, you know. Why to get in condemnation, guilt, you know. Hallelujah. Say praise the Lord. <laughs> You're like the moth flying around the, the candle, playing with the fire until you get your wings singed, until you get your wings burned off and you drop at the bottom. You can only fly around the flame so long. And pretty soon your wings are going to get burnt. And people are like, what happened to so-and-so? They've been playing with the fire for so long. They burned their wings off. Hallelujah. That sin nature is so strong in you and I. It's the only thing more powerful is the spirit of the living God. Say hallelujah. Sin taking occasion. Sin is so sinful it takes the word of God. It's meant to bring you life and bring the good and holiness and righteousness. And it takes it and uses it to stir up sin. That's how sin. That's how sinful the sin nature is. It takes the holy and uses the holy in an inappropriate way. That's amazing to me. I'm telling you, this is probably the, the, the book of Romans, in my opinion, is the greatest theological writing that has ever been written. Came from God to man, the greatest theological writing that's ever been written. For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. What does he mean that? It means when the commandment came, it revealed the sin nature. It revealed the true problem in me. Yes, sir. Amen. So I was going wrong. And I, I thought I was alive. thought I was doing good. And then the law came and it showed me just how evil I was. And when it showed me how evil I was, I died. He killed me, man. He killed me on the spot. Until it showed up, though, I didn't even know what my problem was. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's so like you go through life and you don't know that you got disease and sickness in your body. Going through life, thinking, hey, I'm doing good. Doing, how you doing? I'm doing great. Praise the Lord. Then you go to the doctor. The doctor said, from the top of your head to sew your feet, you got cancer. Revelation came. Something you didn't know you had. And when you found that out, you died. You knew you were dying. Paul said, when the, the law of God came, I, was, I thought I was doing pretty good. I was, I was alive. But when it came, man, it revealed just how sick I am. I'm a dead man. You're a dead woman. We're all dead without Jesus Christ. We're not just sick. We have the sentence of sentence. We have sin and death operating inside of us that kills us. Say hallelujah to the Lord. I know about you, but I'm going to stay in the church. I've got to stay in the church. I'm not going to play the game. I'm not going to run here and there all over the place. I'm not going to do that. I know what I know who I am by the Word of God, and I know what I need. And I need the Word of God. I need Jesus Christ to help me. I'm not playing no games. Hallelujah! 
Say hallelujah. Because I can't get to that heaven without him. And without him, I'll be in hell. I need him, don't you? Sometimes when the word of God is being preached, the law of God as a whole, the commandments of God as a whole, man, you start feeling really bad. Whew. I mean, you want to run out the back door down the street? You feel the wrath of God coming down? See, let me say it to you this way. Every time the Spirit of God comes down, it always comes down in wrath upon sin. That's why sometimes when the Word of God comes and it uncovers our sin, we start feeling the wrath of God. We want to run out of the church. We want to, we want to run. It's like the deer that's been hit. He's running through the forest. The Word of God hits him. Boom! He, he gets hit, jumps over, and speeds off, man, and bleeds out. I've seen it happen so many times. The Word of God being preached. People to jump up and run out the door, man. They can't handle it. They've been hit. They've been uncovered. The wrath of God is on them. They don't want to get away from that. The wrath of God comes down always in wrath, hits the sin until the blood's applied. And when He comes down, if He sees the blood on you, you don't feel wrath. You feel His forgiveness. You don't want to run out because His Spirit hit the blood and said, of wrath, it's mercy that I receive it. You got sin, unrepentant sin in your life. You're going to want to run out the door because the wrath of God's going to come on you. But as soon as you put it under the blood, you'll stay right where you are. And, and I'm going to tell you something, brothers and sisters. Some of y'all are really getting crazy in your mind. You're starting to get really crazy in your thinking. You think you can do this without Jesus Christ? Paul is telling you, you can never do it without Jesus Christ. You'll never do it without God, without His Word, without His Spirit. Never! You can come and sit there on that pew and be religious and fold your arms and all of that good stuff. But are you the butterfly or the gnat that flies around the flame that's just that close from getting your wings? We gotta walk close to Jesus Christ. We gotta walk close to God. We follow the Spirit. Paul's showing you just how bad we are without Jesus. And I think you know it, don't you know it? If you know it, say Amen. I know. Hallelujah. Before you got converted, you used to tell people how good you are, right? You know, you're dead and trespassing and sin on your way to hell, man. Living a lifestyle of sin. Mm -hmm. People, how you doing, man? Do you love Jesus? Oh, I love Jesus. You going to heaven? Oh, yeah, I'm going to heaven. You know what I mean? Then he came to church. I'm going to hell. <laughs> I didn't know about I'm going to hell now. <laughs> That's what Paul was saying. I was alive one time. The law came out dead. <laughs> People, before I got converted, they asked me if I was going to heaven. I said, I'm going to heaven. Then I went to church and I found out I'm going to hell. I had to tell you, tell them the next day, I'm going to hell. I didn't know I'm going to hell. I'm going to hell. <laughs> I got baptized in Jesus' name, got filled with the Holy Ghost, and stopped living religious and being religious. Now I'm going to heaven. And God's given me the power 
and, and, and I know I still come short. I know I still come short. But God's power is there. And He convicts me. And He gives me the strength to overcome. And He tells me, go run to the blood. Plead the blood. Plead the blood. Plead the blood. Plead the blood. I plead the blood of Jesus over all of you. I plead the blood of Jesus on me. I plead the blood of Jesus today over all people. I remember those days. I used to think I was saved. Went to catechism and you know, church, and then run the streets on the weekend, living just like everybody else, no, diff- no difference in my life, whatever. And then the law came, the Word of God came to me, thank God, as a pre-illumination of salvation. And I looked at my good Lutheran mother, and I said, Mama, I don't believe I'm saved. She said, Oh, you're okay, you're saved. You were raised in the church. I said, Mama, I'm not saved. I said, because I live the same way the people on the streets live. I said, I see the same people that I go to church with on Sunday, drinking on Friday and Saturday night. I see them. I said, we're no different than those people in the world. Oh, son, you're okay. I said, Mama, I'm not. And it wasn't much longer after that that I got water baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. And that's when I became a believer. I thank God for His grace. I thank God for the gospel. It's what he's talking about. I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment which I ordained to life, which was ordained to life, see, not death, but to life. Its purpose was to bring life, not death. So then the problem is not with the law, the problem is with us. Sin nature. It was ordained to life. I found to be in unto death for sin taken occasion by the commandment deceived me and by it slew me sin is so sinful is so bad it, it took the word of God it took sin used the word of God yes, sir. to kill us the law the word of God is not sin but sin is so evil it took what God meant to be life. It sin took it and used it as a weapon against us. That's how sinful sin is. The commandment which was ordained to life I found to be un, under death for sin taking occasion by the commandment deceived me and by it slew me. Why? Why? How, how could that be? How could sin take the law of God and use it to kill me? Because I broke the law. Amen. So because I broke the law, now sin says, okay, you, the sin, 
that's in you that caused you to break the law. Because you broke the law, now that sin takes that law and uses it against you. He says, you broke the law, you deserve to die. Verse 12, Wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. <clears throat> was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. The law is not dead to me. It made death to me. But sin, the problem says the sin. That it might appear sin working death in me by, wit, by that which is good. That sin, by the commandment, might become exceeding sinful. Paul saying the problem is not with the Torah. It is not with Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. It is not with the Word of God. The problem is with us. Sin nature. We couldn't, we couldn't do it if we wanted to. We couldn't obey the commands of that first husband if we wanted to. Paul's showing you. The problem's not with the law. The law didn't need to die. You needed to die to its condemnation. Amen. You couldn't perform it. Because of the sin nature that's in us. The problem is with, not with the Word of God, but with sin. Was then that which good made death in me? God forbid but sin that it might appear sin working death in me by that which was good, that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual. So then what's the problem? The law of spiritual came from God. I'm carnal, sold under sin. Problem is, I'm carnal. I got a sin nature inside of me. That's what Paul's saying. Amen. 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 What time is it, brother? Is it twelve thirty? Is it twelve thirty on? Anybody we're watching here? <laughs> Used to. <laughs> 12.36. Can y'all take about 15, 20 more minutes of the Word of God? Can you handle it? I mean, you know, you, when you come here, I'm going to give you the Word of God and I'm going to give you a little sermonette. And I'm going to give you, you know, sermonettes are for demonettes. And Christianettes. You come here, just get ready. Okay? Can, but can you handle it? That's my question. Can you handle 15 more minutes? Anybody need a banana? <laughs> one sister went to a conference one time and they kept her all day long man they kept her beyond the lunch break she just looked over another sister and said you got a banana <laughs> we got a banana we'll give you a banana amen <laughs> verse 14 for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. I, for that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that I do. Ever been there? Do what you don't. Do what you know you're not supposed to do. And don't do what you should do. Ever been in that dilemma? Well, Paul, some people come to this, they say, is, is Paul talking about himself before conversion? Or he's talking about himself as a mature believer. I believe he's talking about as a mature believer. And I'm going to show you why in a minute. 
Because only a, true, a mature believer, I'll just tell you now, only a mature believer wants to obey the law of God. Yes. An unconverted person doesn't care about obeying the law of God. So I believe that Paul, when he writes here, he's talking about the struggle that's going on. Are y'all with me? Between his mind, with his mind and that old sin nature. There's a struggle. His conscience says the Word of God's true. The Word of God's what I should do. My mind wants to do it. But the sin nature in me is at war with my mind. It's a mature believer. So he said, well, he said, what I would do, I don't do. Amen? Amen. What I don't want to do, he said, that do, I do, I do that. I'm sure some of y'all been there. Have y'all been there? Do things you know you shouldn't do? Anybody do things you should How many of you don't do what you should do? Okay, that's what Paul's saying. The Apostle Paul. Now some of you are more spiritual than Paul. Some of you are so self-righteous you never do anything wrong. It's only your pastor that does everything wrong. <laughs> Gotta have a scapegoat. So I look at you, I say, you're more spiritual than Paul, man. Come on, come on. <laughs> I, I know one thing. There's sometimes when I, I do things I shouldn't do. And there's some there's some times that I should do some things I don't do. And we should pray more. I mean, even Prophetess Melvis, I hope she's not more spiritual than Paul. But there's, it's a, I know it's hard to believe, but it's a possibility that sometimes she does things that she shouldn't do. And she doesn't do some things that she should do. I know that's hard to believe. I know for y'all, you're like, you can't believe it. It's like you're almost fainting. <laughs> but if Paul said that, then she's got to say that. And I've got to say that. I mean, she's so spiritual. My, my, my daughter and my son say, we don't want to get around Providence Melvis because she can look into my soul. <laughs> she can look into my soul. <laughs> I love it, man. <laughs> like she's an x-ray machine, man. I look at him and go, I know, huh? I know. <laughs> She called me up. She says, I, "She says we need to meet, Dad." And or, or she'll text me, and I say, and "I thank God when she says it's about me." Because <laughs> if she doesn't say it's about me, I'm sitting there thinking she's going to look into my soul. You know, because sometimes we do things we shouldn't do. We don't do what we should do. Amen. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord amen. amen. 
So she says it's about her, at least now, you know, we can flip the table and say, you, you shouldn't do that. Hallelujah, I get to be the judge sitting up in a chair, you know. So that's the dilemma that Paul's in. Now watch this. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it's good. Now I need to define for you the term I. Who's he talking about? When he says I, he is talking about his new inner self at conversion. The I then is the new Paul. Put your name on it. The I is the new you. In this passage, the I, put your name there, is you, the new you. The new inner self when you became a born-again believer. Okay? Watch. Because before you were a believer, you didn't care about doing bad things. You didn't even try to do good things. So now, something has changed in you, the I in you, the ego in you has changed so that now it bothers you when you don't do what you should do or you do what you shouldn't do. The I is the new you. And if you're not a regenerated, born again believer, you're not in this passage. Because you have no desire to do what's right. You have no desire for the things of God. Okay? The I is the new inner self of Paul. Verse 15, For that which I do, I allow not for what I would do. For what I would that do I not, but what I hate that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. See, that inner, that inner new self says, Man, the law, if I do something wrong, I consent that the law is good. It's right. My new inner self says that. I know I did wrong. And I say it. I know I did wrong. Where'd that come from? That new you? Did you talk like that before conversion? No. You always walking around justifying yourself for everything you did. You never did anything wrong your whole life. That's right, Pastor. So people in prison today, ain't nobody guilty in prison. You know that, right? There's no guilty people in prison today. Everybody's innocent. Right, right. You too. That's the way you are. Did you do something wrong? Oh no. I never do anything wrong. You're sitting there and you're in shackles, but you ain't. I ain't do nothing wrong. Why are you in here? I don't know. They just pick it on me. <laughs> They're picking on me, or so and so called the police on me. I'm gonna get them. Well, you stupid idiot! It's not their fault. I'm gonna kill them. I'm gonna get back at them. Why'd you call the law on me? Well, you're the one that did wrong. They never admit it. Well, some people, 
Brothers and sisters, some people are going to be thrown in hell because they will never admit that and never admit that they're wrong. Never. They're not willing to admit that they're wrong. They're not willing to admit that they need Jesus Christ. They're not willing to admit that they need the new birth. They're going to be cast into hell because they cannot say, I'm sorry. They cannot bring themselves to say, you know, I was wrong. I'm sorry. They won't say it to man and they won't say it to God. And because of that, they're going to be in hell. Only somebody who's genuinely converted, walking in the Spirit, will say, you know, I do some things that I shouldn't do. And I don't do some things that I should do. Somebody said amen. amen. And when I do something wrong, I consent to the law of God that it's right. Only a converted man, in fact, not only a converted man, Brother Jonathan, but a mature converted man would talk like that. Some people say, is he this pre-conversion Paul? Or is this carnal Paul? Or is this mature Paul? I say this is mature Paul. He's so in touch with his new inner self. He, he can recognize the struggle between his mind and that old sin nature. I consider the law that it's good. The new. Now then it is no more I, that's the new you, that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. It's not the new you that does it. It's not the new you that does the sin or does the wrong or doesn't do what you should do. It's not the new you that does that or doesn't do that. He said, it's me. And the me here is the sin nature that dwells in our members. The new you, the new you, the I, the new regenerated person is not doing that. Where's it coming from? Paul saying, it's because you still got a sin nature in you. And sin comes out of that. So it's not I that does it, but it's me that does it. That's something else, isn't it? And Paul was something else. Said it's not I, wow. but it's me. Wow. You ever been there as a mature believer? Man, that new you would never do that. But that old you will. That old you will. Let me just put it to you so you understand. I know, I know, I ask you to take 15 more minutes. There's still something in your humanness. Even after you become a born again believer, there's still something left in your humanness that is in your members and it's called sin. That new you doesn't do it. You in union with Jesus Christ, the new born again person that you are is not the one that does the sin. It's that old Humanity is yes, yes, still in you. Yes, sir. Amen. Amen. It's working.
and your members. Now, that doesn't mean you have a split personality. That doesn't mean you can say, okay, now, you know, I can't do that, but it's okay for me to. It don't work that way. It don't work that way. But, 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 but in a sense, we are schizophrenic. According to Paul, really, really, in a sense, we are schizophrenic. We're divided. We're two, two in a sense. We got two natures in us. In a sense, we are schizophrenic. Anybody ever ask you, are you schizophrenic? You sure you better believe it. <laughs> I take medication every day. <laughs> Hallelujah. I just haven't been diagnosed. How do you know? He's my friend. Amen. There are some of us who have not yet been committed. I mean, the wagon is backing up right now. We can hear the the little people in the white suits, men in white suits, coming with their little little jacket. I mean, some of us have just not yet been committed. <laughs> so in a sense we are a little bit yes, schizo. Yes, sir. Amen, Pastor. Yes, sir. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But thank God the I can always win over the me. Yes, sir. The I can always win over the me. That new you can always win over the me. The sin. It works in your members. Hallelujah. You ever had that struggle? Here is not a struggle between the flesh and the spirit. Here's the struggle between the mind and the fallen nature. God's showing you, but you can win every time. I need, I need to go somewhere to get my mind straightened out. I need, yeah, right. You need the word of God, idiot. Idiot. I'll look you in the face. I'll look you in the face and put my finger in your face. That way you want to get your mind straightened out is to come and hear the word of the living God. We're all idiots without Jesus Christ. We're all schizophrenic. We need God. It's bad, isn't it? Looks no says bad. I didn't know it was this bad. Until Pastor started preaching, I thought I was doing pretty good, man. I didn't know it was this bad. I'm schizophrenic, idiotic. You say, Paul would never use words like that. In Galatians he did. He said, You foolish Galatians. You read the you read the amplified translation. He said, You bunch of stupid idiots. Said Paul would never talk like that. That's your self-righteous self. Amen, That's right. Amen. Paul is not with I, the new self. The problem is with the old self. You know, and that's where the problem is. Where it all comes down to. And I've seen I've seen people do well, and I've seen people blow it bad. It all depends on what, which one you. You either in the I or the me. Who is it today? How many eyes here? 
How many eyes are here? Thank God. How many me's are here today? You're in trouble then. Because you're controlled by that sin. That, that's why, brothers and sisters, you can't pull the wool over this preacher's eyes. You can try and you can talk, try to have a good talk and you can do all that. But I listen, if you know the Word of God, you know where you are, you know where they are, you know where everybody is if you know the Word of God. And when they talk and they talk, they might talk a good talk and they might even believe their own conclusion about themselves. The Word of God knows, man. Hallelujah. Somebody said praise the Lord. I need, I need to be made whole. The good news is He has made me whole. But there's still that, that thing in me that works in my members. That's still, there's still a part of my humanity. Amen. That has not been completely delivered and it won't be until glorification until you get a glorified body. That's why you got to keep fighting the good fight of faith. Keep fighting the good fight of faith. Keep fighting the good fight of faith. Walk with God. Serve Him. God will give you the strength you need. He'll give you everything you need. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. <clears throat> That's why I say this is a mature believer. Because he has a desire to do good. Amen? For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that do I. Now, I do that I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find in a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. I, the I in me, the new me, desires to obey the law of God. The new me, the I in me, desires to do the will of God. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in this dilemma that Paul's in? You desire, you're struggling with yourself, man. Paul did too. It's not, when you go through things like that, schizophrenic things like that, the enemy will tell you you're not a believer. The enemy will tell you to quit, to give up. No, a mature believer wrestles with these things. The I that desires to serve God and the me that has sin working in it. Struggling for ultimate and total deliverance which will only come in glorification. Your mind will struggle with that sin nature until you go to heaven. 
your desire to serve God with your mind. The newness, the new you will desire to serve God, but the old you will try to work in your members. Amen? Desire to obey God's word. I'm moving quickly. I'll be done in just a minute. For I delight in the law of God. I delight in the law of God. Not the, the unregenerate man does not delight in the law of God. I delight in the law of God. That's that Torah, the Genesis, Exodus, Deuteronomy, the law of Moses given to Israel. I delight in that. It's not just for Israel, it's for all us. I delight in it. After the what? Inward man. What happened to the old eye? Galatians 2.20 says it was crucified. I was crucified with Christ. That's what happened to the old eye. Now desire. Amen. I delight in the law of God after the inward man. Now that I'm born again, I'm not trying to be free from it. I delight in it. Said, I find the law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. That's the first law. But I see another law in my members. That's that law of sin. He goes on and said, which is in my members. Where's the war? Against the law of my mind. The conscience. The battle here is not between the spirit and the flesh. The battle here is between the mind, the conscience, and the sin nature. Do you see that? That's where the battle... Brothers and sisters, the battle is right here between our ears. That's where the battle is. You know it. Every day that you get up, that's where the battle rages every day, all day long. Sometimes even at night, you can't even sleep because your mind, your conscience, you know what's right. You love the Word of God. You desire to do what's right with your mind. You consent that it's true when you do something wrong and you're battling, you're battling. That old sin nature is working in your members. Working against the law of the mind, the conscience. Bringing me to captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. And so Paul says, Oh wretched man, who shall deliver me from this body of this death? He's talking about the sin nature that's working in his members. Who's going to deliver me from this condemnation that the law brings upon me? Who's going to deliver me from the law, the power of sin that works in my members? He's looking for that day of total, total deliverance. In Paul's day, where Paul was raised in Tarsus, there was a tribe. If you murdered somebody, they took that body of the murdered individual. They strapped it to the body of the living man. That living man walked around with that dead corpse on his back, chained to his back, until that tribe watched. That tribe watched till that dead body that that living man carried began to eat into the flesh of the living man until finally the dead man killed the living man. 
Paul is saying every one of us are carrying around with us a dead man. We're carrying a dead body around with us everywhere we go. Who's going to deliver us, unchain us from this dead man that we're carrying that's just, just eating away at the living man? Who's going to free me from it? I'm walking around. I'm a walk. I'm carrying a dead man with me. Every day when you look at me, you're looking at, at a man that has Jesus Christ in him. But I'm still carrying a dead man. Oh, sin nature in me everywhere I go. He's strapped to my back. And I want to be free from him. Yes, amen. Amen. Right, I'm groaning. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Amen, Pastor. Hallelujah. That's right. When am I going to ultimately be set free from this? Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? He doesn't in despair. In despair, he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Amen, amen. Jesus is the one that gives me victory amen. over that old sin nature, the me, the me that I'm carrying around with the eye. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then, see, he doesn't in despair. Despair. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God. There's the battle. But with the flesh, the law of sin. Amen. My sin is coming from the law of sin. It's coming from the sin nature. And I don't want to do that. It's not my new nature that does it. It's my old nature that I'm carrying around with. But the good news is this. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Paul goes on and says this. Here's how you get your freedom. Here's how you're delivered from the condemnation of the law. Here's how you're delivered from the law of sin and death. It's by a greater and more powerful law. It's the law of the Spirit Amen. of life in Christ Jesus. Amen. When you get filled with the Holy Ghost, God takes the law of God. You got the law of the Spirit inside of you. And now, listen to me, you have power over that old sin nature. That old me, you got power to live for Jesus. You can be victorious, Paul is saying. By a new law, the law of the Spirit. The Word of God alone wasn't strong enough to get you under control. Your mind, your conscience wasn't strong enough to get you under control. But the Spirit of the living God, when He came inside of you, is more powerful than sin. And you can walk in victory while you're alive here. And then someday, as Paul begins to declare, read the whole chapter. I'm not going to preach it all to you this morning. I'm going to start with chapter 9 next week. But read chapter 8. The glorious promise of security awaits us in the future. As we walk in the Spirit, we can be victorious over that old dead 
you. That old sin nature. You and I can be victorious only when we're regenerated by the power of God. Religion won't do it for you. The Word of God's not even strong enough. Hallelujah. In your life to control it. It takes God Himself to harness and defeat that old nature. Jesus Christ came to give us a brand new eye. A brand new life. And I don't have to live in despair. I don't have to get up every day and walk in defeat and yield to that old sinful nature that's working in my members. I can get up and walk in victory in Jesus' mighty name. My conscience, my mind agrees with the Word of God and it wants to do the Word of God. Now, I got the power to do it because it's not just a husband commanding me. It's a husband that's coming to help me do it. Hallelujah. Not to produce salvation, but because I am saved. Now the law is something I delight in. Amen. Say praise the Lord. For what the law could not do you with me? Amen. For what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own through the Son the lightness of sin flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. See, the law of God couldn't even control your flesh. Jesus Christ had to come and die on that cross and defeat it on the cross. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And then he talks about to be carnally minded is death. Verse 6, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Walk in the new eye. If you stop walking in the Spirit, said Paul, if you stop yielding to the new eye, the new Spirit of God that's in you, if you stop walking in that, and you start walking in your old carnal nature again, that old flesh will begin to dominate and control your life once again. It'll take control over you. God, Paul is saying, make a decision. Get your priorities right. Walk in the Spirit, and you'll not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit, and that old carnal nature won't control you. But if you stop walking in the Spirit, you'll get carnal again. The old flesh will start controlling you and you will die. You don't realize it. But everybody, every one of us has carried a dead man with us. We walk in the Spirit, we can be victorious. But if we start yielding to the flesh again, that old flesh will begin to dominate and control our life. Who's in control of your mind today? That's what Paul is asking. That's what Paul is saying. Who is in control of your mind? Is it the old me? Or is it the new I? Regenerated by the power of God. You are the one that chooses who is controlling your mind. That's why I say this is the only answer for all of us. You got mind problems? You're struggling with your mind? This is the only place you need to be is to hear that because it all depends on who you're yielding your mind to. Now that Jesus Christ is inside of you, you yield your mind to walking in the Spirit, you can be victorious. 
if you yield your mind to that old fallen nature, that old dead body that you're carrying is going to devour you. In case you don't know it, until you get glorified, you're a walking death trap. You're a walking death trap. If sin doesn't derail you from being justified eternally when you stand before God, if sin doesn't do it, the law of sin and death will do it if you let it. Paul's saying, be careful. The law can derail your security in eternity. Depending on what you yield your mind to will determine whether or not you'll have that eternal security in God. Question for all of us today, who you yield your mind to? Who's in control of your mind today? Is Jesus Christ in control of your mind? Or is your old sin nature, has it crept up and began to take control of you again? You choose. And when you choose for God, you yield to His Spirit, you'll walk in victory again. It's not about, well, I lost my salvation. No, you lose your salvation. Not right now. It's about who's in control of your mind. That's why you've got to be careful. Jesus is the shepherd. He's going to go through the door. Thieves and robbers are going to come up another way. You have to be careful who you allow to set seed in your mind. Because if you don't, they will begin to control your mind. As your shepherd... I'm coming through the door. I'm bringing this. Every time, I'm bringing this. If they're not bringing this, they're thieves and they're robbers. And they're used of Satan to destroy your mind and your walk with God. Hallelujah to the Lamb. The Holy Ghost has spoken this to me day after day after day. Tell them. Thieves and robbers are coming up another way. They'll know the difference because the shepherd goes through the door always. And that's the word of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody said, praise the Lord. You have time you can yield to. Yield to the Spirit. You'll have victory over the flesh. Just victory, victory, victory. It's throughout this passage here and this walking in the law of the Spirit. Amen? And then he talks about verse 9, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. And all the way down through here, verse through verse 14, it talks about the Spirit of Christ. It talks about the Spirit of God. There's not two spirits. There's only one Spirit. He's the same. God is that Spirit. Christ is that Spirit. Christ is God. God is Christ. Are you with me? One of the same Spirit. I didn't get the second or the third person in the Trinity. I got the Spirit of God. I got the Spirit of Christ. He's the same. One and the same Spirit. Paul uses interchangeable. In chapter 9 of Romans, he will literally call Christ God. Somebody said no, not one time in the Bible is ever Jesus, Jesus ever called God. That's a lie. I can show you verse after verse after verse where the Bible clearly declares that Christ is God. Amen. Hallelujah. You 
don't get another spirit other than the spirit of Christ or the spirit of God. The spirit of Jesus lives inside of me. And because of that, victorious this morning, I'm victorious. And so are you, hallelujah. And so in closing, Paul talks about the sufferings of this present time that you're going to go through. As a believer, you're going to go through times of suffering and tribulation and all of these things. But God has promised if we walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the desires of the flesh, let the law of the Spirit dominate and control our life. As we yield our life to God and yield to His Spirit, make sure our minds are controlled by Him. Then we have a promise even in tribulations and everything that we might go through. God gives you assurance and hope that there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. You will have a promise in that final day of judgment that you will escape the judgment of the living God. Because you're justified by His grace and you're filled with His Spirit and you walk with Him and you live for Him. Security is coming. And someday, as Paul goes through progression in verse, verse 28, as his love for us caused him to choose us. He chose to love us. He chose, us, chose to save us in his foreknowledge. That means he chose to be intimate with you. And through that progression, whom he foreknow, he did predestinate. And then him, he predestinated. He called. And then that he called, he glorified. That's the ultimate hope. That someday that old sin nature is going to be completely eradicated. And that's it. Glorification. Foreknowledge, predestination, called and glorified. And then verse 31. He talks about what shall we say of God before us? Who can be against us? He just ends in victory and all these things. And they come against you. But victory in verse 37. And all these things we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The security of the believer. So now you understand. You understand yourself better than you ever did. You understand the conflict in your mind and, and what's going on inside of you and how that conflict of the mind, your conscience is at war with that, that sin that's in the members of your body. But God is telling you, you don't have to be in despair. Even though the law of God is not strong enough to overpower sin, even though your conscience is not strong enough to overpower sin, there's a law. It is the Spirit of Jesus Christ in you. He'll give you victory and power over sin if you choose to walk with Him. And that will guarantee His love and His Spirit inside of you will guarantee you that you will have an assurance of security that on Judgment Day you will be justified on Judgment Day and enter into eternity with Him forever and ever and ever. And so Paul ends with victory that the believer has. Yes, the struggle while you're here in this life but a promise of assurance to those who walk in the Spirit and live for Him. And God, God says in that 8th chapter, He says, I even care about creation. 
said, just like you're going to be renewed, he said, I'm going to recreate or renew everything. Amen. The creation's grown in just like you are. He said, but there's coming a time when that even creation is going to be liberated. Right, it's reaching all the way eschatologically to the end times when Jesus Christ comes back and we get a glorified body. So until then, understand that there's a law that's working in you that's more powerful than sin and that's the spirit of the living God. Make sure you yield your mind to the right master. Amen? Please stand. Father, we come before you right now and we ask your blessing to rest upon each and every person in this house. God, I ask you to strengthen and to help the believers today. In this end times, Father, there is great pressure upon the church, great pressure upon individuals to apostatize, to leave you, to leave the kingdom of God, to leave the church. Father, I just pray, strengthen the brethren. Strengthen this church. Strengthen your people. Let us be effective, God, in this end time as we take the gospel to the world. Tell them about the good news of what Jesus Christ can do for us and for them and through us and through them. Let Jesus do it through you. If you let Jesus do it through you, if you yield to Him, just let Jesus do it through you. And you'll be successful. I have anything to worry about. If God be for you, who can be against you? Amen. Amen. You're dismissed in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for staying late.